it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Edward October, host of October Pod on YouTube. Hear that jingle jingle? It could be Chris Kringle, or a home invader looking for an open window, a jilted lover looking for revenge, or a disgruntled co-worker hoping to spike your eggnog with arsenic. The girls of our true crime podcast are always on Santa's nice list, but the crimes they discuss are very naughty indeed. Listener discretion is advised. This is Jess. And this is Charles. And this is Sean. And we're California True Crime. And we're here to wish you a happy holiday and a merry new year. Cam of Our True Crime Podcast chooses October Pod to raise her hair. I always stream October Pod. I find the stories very hair raising. And I simply adore dead media. Like Cam... Choose Octoberpod on YouTube. Octoberpod, retro horror for bold individualists. Camille. Hi, Cam. <laughs> Hi, Jen. How are you? I'm doing great. It's the third nightmare oh, the third before Christmas. My OTCP gave to me. So, if the fine listeners out there in Podland are not aware of this, we are recording 12 episodes, one to appear each day. They're kind of mini-ish episodes. Some are mini, some are a little bit longer. It's our little gift to you. It's our little way to say thank you, happy holidays, and... Uh, and starting on the 24th, which is Christmas Eve, we're going to take a little hiatus, and we're not going to be back until January 9th, so we can spend some quality time with the family and... Not end up on a podcast. <laughs> Our family's getting a little bit tired of us working all the time, but that's okay. We love doing this and they need to understand, but we also need to spend time with them. Right? So, and we want to do another big shout out and thank you to Edward October for 
the awesome listener discretion he did for us. And it's so personal. I love it. It, it, it makes me so happy. He's such a wonderful guy. If you guys aren't watching his YouTube channel, you definitely need to give him a try. It's a lot of fun. Yes. So much fun. And we hope you like our sultry voices that we do for his promo, too. I sound like the biggest dork ever. Well, you are the biggest dork ever, and so am I. So it's all good. Okay. Check him out. Edward October Pod. And also a big thanks. Mm-hmm. And also a huge thanks to all the podcasts that have sent in little holiday greetings for that. us. We love our, isn't, aren't our podcast friends? They're like the awesome. best, aren't they? Yep. They really are. I it's totally fun. love the podcast it's, community. It's fun to think like six months ago, we didn't even know these people existed. I know. They didn't know we existed now. Look at no, that. and now friends. we're like totally love them. I can't wait to meet them all. One day we'll get to meet them all. But anyway, I've got the third nightmare before Christmas today. I can't wait. Then we're going to go back in time when everything was a little simpler. And this was actually in our area. I can't wait. So we're going to talk about Bertha Gifford. Bertha, old Bertie Gifford. Bertha was born in October of 1872. Wow. To she's William. Still alive? Um, I don't know, okay. to be quite honest. Okay. No, she's not. In 1894, Bertha married Henry Graham, and they lived in Hillsborough in Jefferson County for a little while. Oh, that is our neck of the woods. It is. Okay. So a little while after they got married, they start managing Uh-oh. a hotel called the Morse Mill Hotel. Do you oh, know the yeah. sign of that? Yes. The Morse Mill Hotel is very popular right now. It's this huge house. Supposedly it's haunted. You can go tour it. It's all, it's pretty cool. But I think you can even stay the night there. I think you can too. It's supposed to be really fun. We should, should probably do go do that sometime. The hotel had a big heyday in the 20s and 30s, kind of around the Depression. Al Capone was supposedly bootlegging out of it. And um, Charles Lindbergh stayed there. Clara Bow, Frank Dalton, Charlie Chaplin, all oh, sorts wow. of pretty famous. I did cool? look at pictures. Cool um, I didn't really see a lot of pictures during the heyday, but I looked at it now. It's oh. kind of run down, but it looks fun. Her first husband, Henry, died mysteriously, suddenly. And then she married Eugene Gifford in 1907, and they moved a couple miles away from Morris Mill to Catawissa, Missouri. Mm-hmm. So Bertha was one of the most beautiful women of Jefferson County in Missouri. <laughs> Which this is where I say not saying a lot. Just kidding. Well, I'm maybe just back kidding. then. I'm sure she didn't have a lot of competition, but I'm just, let's just put it that way. Okay. She had this dark, thick hair and a dark complexion, and she was this amazing cook. All the neighbors Mm -hmm. said she was an amazing cook. She was very friendly and very caring. For 20 years, she would help the doctor at his, helping him with the sick from the families in the area saying, my son's sick, my daughter's sick, my mom's sick. She would jump out of bed in the middle of the night, put on her white nurse's uniform, although she was never a nurse, but she would put on this white uniform that she kept by the bed and she'd grab her satchel full of her medicines and her homemade remedies. And she would go to anybody within a 20-mile radius. Before there were cars, she would use her horse and buggy. Or if it was snowing, she'd go on foot. She would always try to get there before the doctor did. She was considered a very good Samaritan, and everybody really liked her. Mm -hmm. And she would help the ill, of course. And then with the family, she'd always sit with them, and she'd offer prayers, and she'd help them through everything. And she never asked for money. She did it out of the kindness of her heart. I'm waiting for the bomb to drop here because this isn't our 
very good natured podcast with good people podcast. This is our true crime podcast. This is our true crime podcast. So but I'm by all for. accounts, Bertha was a very nice, loving woman. Now, even though she wasn't a trained nurse, the doctors in the area thought she was very competent. She knew how to keep charts. Oh. She understood the symptoms and drugs, and she was allowed to administer medicine mm -hmm. to these ill patients. He, they had no problem with her going in to help. And when Bertha was, she took total command of the house. I mean, she was kind of like you. She was bossy. <laughs> Gotta get it done. Gotta you know, get it done. I mean, she would order, take this in the sick room, take that out of the sick room. She would, she knew everything. The families were always impressed by her. If a child was sick, she'd turn to the mother and say, now you just go to bed and I've got everything taken care of. I will stay the night. You go to sleep because this child needs you to be rested and blah, blah, blah. So don't worry. I'm here. I've got it all taken care of. The mothers were always relieved. I mean, I would be. Don't we all love a little help? If the child turned sick in the middle of the night, she would, or get sicker, she would wake the family up and then she'd telephone the doctor. And if something would happen to the baby, like if the child died, the parents would be comforted to know that their child or husband or whoever had had the best care possible mm -hmm. in their final hours. And they were with someone that cared for them. And when Bertha lost a patient, she cried just as hard as the family members. But it was also said... That little Bertha here, as much as she had a passion for healing the sick, she had a passion for funerals. She would totally take over funerals. She'd never missed one in 20 years. She'd been nursing for 20 years, but she had never, she'd been volunteer nursing for 20 years, but she never missed a funeral in 20 years. She took command of the funerals too. She wanted to make sure everything was done right. Honestly, one time she went so far, she even paid for the embalming of one of her victims. Bertha started losing a lot of patients. There seemed to be a lot of deaths when Bertha was around. Here we go. The women started to get together and started talking, saying, you know, Bertha seems to come into the sick room and plunks herself down. And sometimes, most of the time, the patient never really gets better. It's worse, in fact, maybe. So she was starting to have a little bit of bad luck. Things started to not go right. Police started to investigate her. They had found records at local stores. Miss Bertha uh -oh. was buying arsenic. Now, she was saying that it was for the rats in her barn, but she was buying a lot of arsenic. And in most cases, the purchases were just before these people died. Mm. The police were starting to think Bertha was not exactly appreciating it when her patients were rallying to get well, because a lot of her patients would start to get well. And then all of a sudden, they die. Hmm. The police also started noticing that a lot of these deaths were kids. And it seemed that... More so than adults. More so than adults. Mm -hmm. And the police assumed that it was probably because the kids, as long as the medicine didn't taste that badly, they probably wouldn't talk about what was really going on. She liked to put arsenic in candy. And who likes candy? Me. And? You. And? <laughs> Okay. Everyone. She was finally arrested in 1929. They they guessed that she had killed about 17 people. No way. Really? 17 people? 17 people. That's what they think. That's what they think. But here's the story. Everybody just started thinking that it was all coincidences. She had been doing this for years. Her first husband died in 1907, oh. and nobody said a word. Nobody thought it had anything to do with Bertha. Nobody started really thinking anything about it until her new mother-in-law... Mrs. Emily Gifford died of ptomaine poisoning in What's 1913. Ptomaine is like uh, is that, food poisoning, uh, what you're deathly afraid of. Sure. Bertha 
so heroic. She tried to save her. She tried, but failed. You know, there's a little bit of talk that Bertha, she wasn't really grieving enough for her mother-in-law. But then again, you know, it's your mother-in-law. How much are you really going to grieve? A year after that, her 13-year-old brother-in-law, 13 years old, James Gifford, he died in Bertha's arms. He had vomiting and stomach cramps. That'd be a terrible way to go, too. When they were at trial, one of the men, George Stelfelder, I guess, German. We love our Germans around here. George Stelfelder told the grand jury how he he totally was grateful for her. Mm -hmm. Totally. He had nursed three of his children. There was Bernard, who was 15 months old. There's Margaret, two. And Irene, who was seven. They had very small ailments. And she She came. Well, she came to help. They were just feeling a little ill. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, they got acute gastritis. And... They all three died Nuh-uh. after she took care of them. And he just thought it was his bad luck. No. Bertha. How she do that to somebody? I mean, come on. I got to quit saying come on, but come on. Bertha and her husband had hired men to help them work the farm that they lived in. And his name was George Shamel, and he had two boys. He states that, this is a quote, I worked off and on for the Giffords for 18 years. I went to the Gifford place once in 1925 on a Saturday night. On the very next day, my boy, Lloyd, nine years old, had stomach cramps. Two days later, he died after being sick at his stomach all the time. The doctor said it was acute gastritis, but didn't know what caused it. There was no postmortem. Five weeks later, my other boy, Elmer, he was seven, got sick, also with stomach cramps. He lived two days. They said it was the same gastritis. There wasn't a postmortem either. I always trusted Giffords and thought it was just my luck the boys died. How could somebody do that? I mean, that's just, that's really sick. So barely a month after little Elmer's funeral, Mrs. Gifford heard that George's sister, Mrs. Slocum, she had tuberculosis. She wasn't doing well. She was what they called sinking, sinking fast. (laughs) So, right, Bertha put on her nurse's uniform and rushed to the bedside, and she totally took charge like she always did. Soon, Mrs. Slocum started to get better. And the family's like, oh, Bertha, you're so sweet. We don't need you anymore. She's better. I really feel bad taking up all your time. Mm-hmm. She's better. she make it? Suddenly, uh, Mrs. Slocum got really bad stomach pains, and she died. How many pa- that- Remember the first person who lost the three children? Mm-hmm. They took a chance on Bertha again. No, please no. Because they had the older Mary, who was 74. She started to get sick. Mm-hmm. They asked Bertha to come over. Bertha did. And... Isn't anybody putting this together yet? I mean, come on. Death. She died. Gastritis. Shocker. Didn't see that coming. There was also James Ogle was a hired man. He had complained that Bertha and her husband had owed him money. Mm. And he died. Strange. He died. Bertha did pay for his funeral, so in a way, she did pay him back, I guess. Weird. (laughs) (laughs) And then there was S. Herman Pounds. He was known to like his drink, Mm -hmm. and this is back during Prohibition. Mm -hmm. He made his own hard cider. Mm -hmm. They said he fell asleep in the pasture, but I can bet that it wasn't really falling asleep. I bet you he kind of... He had a little bit too much hard cider. Devil's juice. So Bertha had him brought up 
brought into the house and gave him something to sober up. Oh, I bet she did. He died. <laughs> the doctor got there too late to really save him. She told the doctor that it was acute gastritis superinduced by alcoholism. Right. Strange how that doctor doesn't quite make it there on time. And then more stomach problems happened with Grandma Birdie Unterstall. Grandma Birdie. Bertha just dropped by to visit her and... Brought her a little snack, I bet. A little, little cookie, a little... Oh, some candies. Yep. Candies would make it better. So another woman traveled from East St. Louis all the way to Catawissa to visit her seven-year-old niece, Mary Brown, who also passed away, mm. and said that one day she came in... Nobody is that sick in a town. Within a 20-mile radius. The aunt said that when she came in, Bertha seemed very agitated and didn't want her in there, but was nice about it. But she could just tell she wasn't wanted. Let's put it that way. Uh -huh. She just said Bertha seemed annoyed by her presence in the room. And actually, at one time, Bertha told her, why don't you go lay down and take a little nap? Mm -hmm. I'll take care of everything. I guess it can get, getting dosed, that poison, you have to have it on a somewhat cycle to keep it in your system to have it build up to have it kill you right so or you just have a lot at once in the end little mary ended up dying of gastritis the last person was ed brinley and he was a neighbor he loved his cider just as much as herman did he was walking out to the mailbox and fell mm -hmm. tripped mm. get clumsy when you had a lot of hard cider and arsenic mm -hmm. bertha once again, ordered her husband to carry him in the house. He was She was going to fix him. And within two hours, two hours, he died. She probably had a little Red Rider BB gun and shot his kneecaps out so he'd fall so that he'd get sick so that she could drag him in there. And... So at this point, you know, the women were kind of talking about, God, it's really weird that, you know, everybody Bertha uh -huh, uh -huh. touches dies. Uh -huh. Now, by the time Ed dies... Even the men were saying, yeah, that's kind of weird. It's kind of weird that everybody Bertha touches kind of has gastritis. Mm -hmm. Cute. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Finally, the chief of police in Webster Groves charged her with two murders, two little kids and one man. When the police finally did arrest her and bring her in, he talked to her and he kept saying, interrogated her basically, until she finally snapped and said, well, I didn't give any arsenic to that pounds child. <laughs> I killed all the rest, but not that one. And then the chief of police said, well, who did you give it to? That's when she admitted that she had poisoned Brindley and the Shamel boys and maybe some others. Yeah. Maybe. But her excuse was that she wanted to put them out of their misery. Oh. But, some of them were healthy. Well, they were sick of something. 
But all one, of a sudden, one guy fell and hurt his leg or his ankle. He was drunk, and she was trying to sober him up. Yeah, right. right? Mm-hmm. They exhumed Brindley's body. The last guy. They and believe me, this is nineteen twenty nine. So you know, forensic mm-hmm. data. They found he did have arsenic poisoning, and they said it was enough to kill seven men. God, that would hurt so bad. It does. Mm-hmm. But while she was in jail, she was very remorseful. I mean, she's like, I don't deserve to live. This is awful. Oh. It, it was weird. Bertha said that the reason why everybody died of this acute gastritis was because of the habit of the people in the area where they ate a heavy lunch at noon. Uh-huh. They labored all day on a full stomach when they should have been having the main meal at night like the city folk do. No. And then she's like, you know, the doctors in the area must have been okay with it because they were the ones that issued the death certificates. She also said when asked about the different deaths, she said, well, Lloyd was sick at the time and Dr. Himker waited on him. And I put some arsenic in the medicine before I gave it to him. And then Lloyd died on August 31st. And she was just putting him. He was nine. Out mm-hmm. of his misery. Because you Around... know, at age nine, you're knocking on death's door there. You're mm-hmm. getting old. A few days later in September, Elmer got sick. Dr. Hemker was called and left medicine. And I put arsenic in it too. And Elmer died. So she knew what she was doing. About May 15th, Edward Brindley, 48, drove up to our house in an old Ford and he was drunk. Came in, sat down for a little while, got up, went out, and fell down on the concrete walk. My husband went out, brought him in, fixed the bed for him in the front room, and he laid down on the bed. His mother came over and insisted I called the doctor, so I called Dr. Hemker. He left medicine for him, and I put the arsenic in the medicine, and he died. I like that she owns it. In all three cases, the patients were suffering from severe pains in the stomach, and I put arsenic in the medicine to quiet their pains. That's not how that works. But okay. And a lot of the people in the area were kind of getting mad at Bertha's husband because he stood by her the entire time. He had to know what was going on, right? Well, she swore that she was doing it to help these people. After the trial, then the jury went and they deliberated and it took them about three and a half hours. Mm -hmm. They found her guilty by reason of insanity. And she was sent to the state hospital in Farmington, Missouri, where, this is fun, she was rumored to be a cook. Oh, like typhoid Mary. Mm-hmm. Wow. And finally, she passed away in 1951. Her death certificate revealed that she had been diagnosed with paranoid psychosis, and she's buried in Morse Mill Cemetery. Hmm. Now, while I was looking through this, I found an article from Bertha's great-granddaughter. Mm-hmm. Now, she said, okay, I'm I'm a little biased, but I kind of think that Bertha wasn't as evil as everybody thinks she was. Because one poison lasts maybe right. better. Well, she had a point, too. And she said Bertha spent 20 years as a nurse and, Assistant. well, as a volunteer nurse. And you never knew how many people didn't die with her care. Right? I mean, which is true. You only focus on the negative, I guess. Yeah. Um, she had a lot of negatives. Exactly. Family. And they, she also said, you know, if you were to have your body checked right now, they would find arsenic because it's in the drinking water that we drink. It's mm-hmm. in well water. It's in plant water. It's everywhere. Mm-hmm. But prior to that, I haven't been suffering with an excruciating stomach ache. Right. So there's that. You know, Ed Brindley, when he died, it said he had enough to kill seven men. Mm-hmm. It was prohibition. He was a drunk. He was drinking out of a still. Okay, yeah. So who knows how much or what 
was put into that liquor back then. Mm-hmm. God only knows. Mm-hmm. I agree. I mean, that could be reasonable, right? Okay, that's one. Right. And also, you have to remember that she was a country woman with homemade remedies. Mm-hmm. And back in those days, arsenic was considered good for your circulation. Bertha, and your complexion. And your complexion. You really well, that was back in the 1700s. I know, still. Bertha even took arsenic herself. So, so I don't know if she built up a tolerance for it or – and it's kind of weird too because even the doctors that she worked for were never brought in to testify. They never were put up on charges. Like today they would be put oh, up on charges totally. so for letting her – Do you think that they knew? I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? Even today those homeopathic remedies, some of them are just kind of sketchy. Yeah. You know? But she probably was a little crazy I would assume. Um, she was very backwoods. Mm-hmm. Very backwoods. But pretty. Um, and she did admit giving people the arsenic. So maybe she really did think she was trying to help. Being crazy and trying to help people. Yeah. She did really want to help them, which isn't crazy. She just maybe misguided mm-hmm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. You have to remember, too, and this is what her great-granddaughter said. Look at Dr. Conrad Murray mm-hmm. giving the Michael Propofol. Jackson mm-hmm. propofol. He just wanted to help him, too. He was on the payroll, though. So she was convicted of killing three people, which is the three nightmares before Christmas, even though it is suspected that she killed upwards of 17 or more. Who knows? It could be way more. If she was a cook in the (laughs) mental asylum. Well, you would think it would be harder for her to get a hold of arsenic and rat poisoning. I hear on the inside, you can get whatever you want. So anyway, that is the end of Bertha's story. Supposedly, and honestly, supposedly one of the ghosts that haunts the Morris Mill Hotel is her first husband. I'd come back and haunt her, mm-hmm. too. She killed him. Well, mm. allegedly could have been suspected of. Yeah. Well, that was very interesting. Dude. Yeah. Bertha. So, I guess uh, stay tuned for tomorrow. Four. Four Nightmares Number Christmas. four. All right, Jen. Remember, lock your doors. And keep passing by those open windows. Uh, bye-bye. Love ya. <laughs> Reggie's dragon is Reggie. little army crawl. Um, shut the door. Okay. Deck the halls with boughs oh, of holly. Okay. And she was allowed to administer medicine. The doctors let... Medicine. The doctors... I'm sorry, that was my chew kind of getting in the way. (laughs) How this administering angel, or how this angel of mercy, I guess. Angel. I don't know. Just called her an angel. (laughs) All right, Jen. Remember, lock your doors. And keep passing by those open windows. Uh, Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Love ya. They also noticed that oh, battery's running low. Why is my battery running low? Because oh. it's not plugged in. Because it's not plugged in.